This is Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities taking a look at the wheat markets for Thursday, March 2nd. Well, yesterday wheat markets were fairly stable. We basically have chopped sideways now for a couple days after getting a pretty big washout to the downside. Chicago and Minneapolis both took out those key lows from last December and last January, so they kind of melted right through that. Uh, basically, we've just been pacing sideways in very narrow range over the last couple days. Kansas City also saw a pretty big sell-off, but we did not take out that January or December low. And I think that uh, the market looks like it wants to stabilize here, find some support here. Um, that's, uh, you know, the seasonal. We're getting toward the, the end of that seasonal window when the markets would really be under pressure. We definitely uh, saw the February break come to fruition this year. But again, as we head into the growing season, uh, you know, unless you have great weather across the Southern Plains, it's hard to really press the market you know, continue to press the market after the kind of sell-off that we've had. And the weather forecasts just are not bringing in that kind of moisture. We're seeing continued dryness in the western plains, as we've talked about quite a bit. There are forecasts for rains all around that region into the, the west. The west coast, of course, has been inundated, and that comes into the southwest, but then it just it just disappears as it gets into Texas, Oklahoma, Southwest Kansas. But as you know, over the north part of that, plenty of rain. Uh, into the Midwest, plenty of rain. Even the Northern Plains, the forecast for the next couple weeks is above normal precip. Now, you know, we're still in March, it might easily be snow, but nevertheless, you're getting a great deal of moisture almost across the entire country, except for that key hard red winter wheat area. I thought by now we'd be getting those uh, monsoonal rains coming through, La Nina fading away, it certainly would open the, the doors for that, but it, it just has not happened. So it's hard to envision Kansas City continuing to melt down here with that kind of prospect. You know, we, we planted the winter wheat crop into very poor conditions. It went into dormancy in record poor conditions. We haven't really improved much. In fact, we've we've gone backwards still in most of those uh, states from the, the monthly crop condition report. And there just not, is not a lot of uh, optimism, at least in the near term. We're going to be breaking dormancy in Kansas here within a couple weeks. Uh, I think that the market is going to stabilize here. You're, we're just hearing a lot more chatter about abandoned acres. Um, you know, farmers put them in, insurance guarantees were high. Why not? Why not take a shot at it? They can collect insurance on this crop and then proceed to plant another crop. So I think that that's probably on the front of a lot of producers' minds, especially in the western, southern, and central plains. Uh, you know, unless something happens pretty quickly, and in Texas, it's it's, um, you know, still could happen for them, but, you know, they're going to be the first to make the switch, and it won't be that far behind before you see other producers do it as well. So, um, you know, that's that's been the concern all along. Yeah, big increase in acres. The chatter and the rumor, I guess, has been that even if it did rain, they might opt to just graze it off because, you know, cattle prices are, are doing well. Um that might be an option for them. So there's always this this simmering idea in the back of their minds that, yeah, the acres are in, but are you really going to keep those acres into harvest in, in the normal percentage? 
and it's looking more and more like that's probably not going to be the case. So, and if that is what happens, uh, that that they abandon acres, um, I think Kansas City will lead the way higher. It's uh, it led the way down, but it has not. But its chart formation is in a little bit better position than the other two markets. So I think uh, there's a pretty good chance that Kansas City rebuild some weather premium back into prices. They would probably gain against Chicago uh, and, and be the leader to the upside here. The Chicago market, of course, represents soft red winter wheat. We saw from the Illinois monthly condition report that, you know, 82% is in good to excellent condition. That's just phenomenal number and almost completely opposite of what we're seeing in hard red winter wheat. So soft red, you're really not worried about production. We have an increase in acres you know production prospects yield prospects look great it's very little reason to think you'll see abandonment there you'll probably see a lot of push to double crop uh, soft red wheat and soybeans but that's kind of another storyline i think the bottom line is that in order for chicago to be the leader you'd have to have something really going on in corn or worldwide and that certainly could be the case on the night session, we're up a little bit. Uh, KC is up four, Chicago's up six. So we are seeing Chicago perform a bit better than Kansas City. But from a fundamental perspective, I, th I think when, if and when we turn, find a low here, there's a pretty good reason to argue that KC would be the leader to the upside. Corn yesterday had a very impressive reversal up. We continued our sell-off uh, into new lows. We took out those major December support levels uh, the previous day, got some follow through yesterday, but then we reversed back up and the buying really stepped up. Once it looked like a low was established, they really came in and supported the market. So I, there's a pretty good reason to argue that corn has found at least a temporary low as well. I still think your overall trends are down, but headed into this time of year, and especially for corn, you know, that our, our best export prospects are right in front of us for the next three months before Brazil's product comes online. We've got um, probably what's going to turn out to be a bit of a battle for acres again because the guaranteed price for both corn and soybeans pretty much guarantee all the expenses for putting the crop in will be paid. So, and we see soybeans kind of bouncing here yesterday as well. There seems to be a, a stronger fundamental base under soybeans. So you could start to see some acres get pulled away from corn. You know, it's been an assumption that bean acres would drop, corn acres would increase. You still have to protect that base. There's still those flex acres of, you know, roughly 5% that could go either way. And it makes a big difference in the overall production prospect. A couple other things. Um, we've got... Um, a story that's been percolating for quite a while actually last fall it kind of perked up and it's uh, coming to the surface again is these issues with Russian wheat shipments to Iran. Iran is running out of money their sanctions are, are biting hard on them they've uh, not been able to pay for these shipments and there are several vessels sitting in their ports that have not unloaded mostly wheat but also some other grains uh, wheat is about 660,000 tons, so it's a pretty healthy number, and Iran can't pay for it, so they're not unloading it. They're not moving it anywhere else because prices have dropped, and they're going to have to take a loss on those cargoes, so they're kind of stuck. Um, 
you wouldn't think that would be good for relations between Russia and Iran. It certainly hasn't come up in those conversations about Iran helping Russia with their military. And maybe this is how they're going to pay for the grain. They'll give them drones. They'll give them other things instead of paying cash for the, the grain. That could be something that's materializing here. But nevertheless, several of those cargoes have been stuck in the Iranian ports. Um, getting back to weather a little bit, looking at the Black Sea, you know, their crops were planted into sort of dry conditions. It wasn't horrible like here, but it's been a relatively dry winter for them as well. Well, the last week or so, and then the forecast for the next couple weeks calls for, uh, they've had good rains, and it calls for much better rains. So, in fact, in that southern region of Russia, where most of their exportable supplies come from, in fact, they normally produce about 35% of the total Russian crop. Um, that's been the, what's received the most rain. And Ukraine, too, has benefited from this uh, these systems. So the prospects for good production, at least to start the season, look very good for both Ukraine and Russia. Last year, this southern region of Russia produced 34 million tons of wheat. That was actually 45% of the total. So as we know, they just had a bin buster crop, a record crop by far last year. They're not, USDA has them at about 95. Most of the private guys in Russia are anywhere from 102 to 104 million tons. Um, now they're, so far, Sovicon has it estimated around 85 million tons would be the production. It's still a big number. You know, it's it's higher than their previous record. So Russia's still going to be uh, shoving wheat down our throat, not only to, to wrap up this growing season, but it looks like the, the potential for another big crop for next year are high as well. Again, it won't be as much, but it's still going to be a lot. They're still going to control world price. And I think that um, that's just that's just something we're going to have to deal with. And it and it's a huge part of why the wheat market has been in this downtrend. Prospects look better for the U.S., at least for spring wheat and soft red. Hard red, uh, I, it's, it's a coin toss. It's still early, and you still could have the rains come and save the day. But we're getting closer and closer to the growing season, and the prospects aren't all that great for weather to, to come in. In export sales this morning, wheat 301,000 tons. That was within the range of estimates from 150 to 700, but still kind of a disappointing number from a bit below what we've seen the last couple weeks. Japan took 71,000, Iraq took 55,000, Mexico 43,000. In corn, 598,000 tons. That was toward the low end of the range of estimates from 500,000 to 1.1 million. Mexico took 207, Japan 112, China 7600. In soybeans uh, export sales, 495,000 tons. That was a marketing year low. That was in the range of estimates from 300,000 to 1.1 million. So we're, and this is normal. It's a normal seasonal pattern for soybean exports. Brazil is in the middle of cutting a record crop. We're already seeing that production hit the pipeline and headed over to uh, China. China did step up. Uh, looks like the rumor was that China was buying some U.S. soybeans after the big break a couple days ago, and that was a big part of the support that we saw yesterday. But soybeans uh, bumping up yesterday 
I think are part of the reason that corn reversed higher and then part of the reason why wheat has been able to stabilize. So again, I think we're carving out a seasonal low here. Don't really want to press the downside at this point, especially with the dryness in the plains. I think corn is going to bounce probably come back up and test the breakout from that training range that they were in for several weeks. I think that's going to be the target. I don't think you're going to get back up to $6.95 to $7 level. I just don't see that in corn. The way it was able to break down and the, and the velocity to which it sold off I think speaks to the overall trend in that market. And same thing with wheat. Soybeans, you could you could paint a different picture with all the biofuel plants coming online and the domestic demand increase that we expect to see. But uh, the other two markets I think are going to struggle in the face of uh, increasing production, poor demand, and just intense competition around the world. If you have any questions, feel free to call 1-800-888-9843. This has been Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities.